The following program contains views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the host DJ and their guests, and are not reflective of the views of WRFL or its underwriters. For questions, comments, or concerns, please email programming at wrfl.fm. Good evening, and welcome to Campus Voices, a program where we discuss current issues surrounding the University of Kentucky's campus and the Lexington area. I'm your host, Sarah Simon-Patches, and today we'll be discussing the rapidly growing Black Lives Matter movement, also known as hashtag BLM. The Black Lives Matter organization was founded in July of 2013, following the killing of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. Unfortunately, this incident did not mark the beginning of violence against Black people in America, but rather sparked enough outrage to mark the beginning of a modern-day civil rights movement, what we now understand to be the Black Lives Matter movement. This phrase grew from the idea of the organization eventually evolving into a movement in an attempt to continue the fight for Black lives in a non-politically affiliated way. According to Princeton University African American Studies professor and author of From Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation, Kianga Yamada Taylor, quote, the movement has grown and broadened dramatically, regardless of whatever the professed politics of people may be who are prominent in the movement, they don't represent its breadth. End quote. Now, Black Lives Matter has become a national symbol and phrase for hope of bringing awareness to the discrimination and violence against Black people across the globe. WRFL reporter Tessa McLam reports on the facts about what Black Lives Matter truly means and how it isn't exactly what you may think. As the Black Lives Matter movement has globally expanded its group of supporters, it's also become a source of distress for anti-Black Lives Matter believers. Much of this opposition stems from the idea that the Black Lives Matter organization and the Black Lives Matter movement are identical in their ideas and actions when it comes to tackling anti-Blackness in America. The most crucial part in understanding the need for the Black Lives Matter movement is first to understand what it truly stands for and how it operates. The meaning of Black Lives Matter is simply what it says that Black Lives Matter. The movement itself has become adamant in representing Black people and speaking up for them during times where they experience injustice. The goal of this movement is to make known the importance of Black lives by using the phrase hashtag BLM. How the movement takes this phrase and puts it into action is through their protesting, which has seen an increase in the last few months. According to the ACLU, the movement has become a necessity as a result of systematic dehumanization of Black Americans which stems from the lack of fundamental reordering that's been made to help the black community. The movement also emphasizes that their role includes denouncing violence, not encouraging looting and rioting, but attempting to keep the peace and achieve their goal of getting black people the human right they deserve. Although the goals of the Black Lives Matter organization are still intent on helping black Americans seek justice, it vastly differs in the way they approach those issues. According to blacklivesmatter.com, the organization openly states their mission to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by state and vigilantes. In 2015, the organization also claimed that they are trained Marxists, driving the belief that Black Lives Matter is political. But this does not stand for the movement. The claims of politics and Marxism ideas do not coincide with the true mission that the Black Lives Matter movement stands for, and that is to stand against the institutional oppression of black people. The difference between the organization and the movement means while one is committed to a more radical idea and claims of Marxism, 
The others committed to nonviolence to help make it known that all lives cannot matter until black lives do. For WRFL Radio, I'm Tessa McLam. Tonight we are going to hear from professor and novelist Crystal Wilkinson. Professor Wilkinson is currently an associate professor of English in the creative writing program, as well as an African-American studies professor at UK. Professor Wilkinson is also an eight-time award-winning novelist, and a few of her works include The Birds of Opulence, Water Street, and Blackberries, Blackberries. We will also be hearing from University of Kentucky student-athlete Langston Jackson. Langston is a member of the UK track and field team, as well as one of the representatives for the Black Student Athletes Association for Kentucky. As a Black student athlete representative, Langston's job is to help create ideas to help support student athletes of color and ensure they are being heard and fairly treated. Langston has also attended multiple protests over the summer, including the protests that took place on September 24th to raise awareness for Breonna Taylor here in Lexington. Thank you both for joining us tonight. Our first question is for Professor Wilkinson. When you hear the term Black Lives Matter, what is your initial thought? Do you think political group, social movement, or are you simply hearing that Black Lives Matter? Um, I think in 2020, what we have to realize is that the Black Lives Matter is all of those things now. It, of course, started uh, with the organization um, of the group itself, but I think it's it's a social movement. Um, it's, a, it's a civil movement. I think it, it encompasses all, all of those things now. Um, yeah, it's not just one thing. I think that um, the the movement has been uh, the the effect of the movement has definitely been broadened, uh, especially in twenty twenty. Um, now to Langston, when you hear Black Lives Matter, how do you feel? Do you think that your feelings are influenced by your own experiences, or do you think that you would advocate for BLM regardless of your race? Um, I'd say that they are definitely in spirit or, you know, influenced by my own experiences because I am an African-American and I have faced some racial things that happened throughout my life. And also just from the opposite side, you know, it's not right to treat somebody differently because of, you know, their skin tone. So I think I'd be an advocate either way, black or not. So I'd say yes. And uh, for both of you, either of you can answer. Um, how could supporters make the distinction between the organization and the movement easier for people to understand? I think for the organization, as far as that goes, I feel like that deals more with like the legal aspects of like the whole, like trying to change, you know, this, you know, justice system that we have. And I think that the protests, you know, the movement itself is, you know, being in the streets protesting outside of, you know, the governor's house and just that type of thing. So I think there's like, there's a difference between the protest and the organization. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a continuum, right? So I think all of those those components are necessary um, in a movement, just as it was during the civil rights movement. Um, you know, it wasn't just the movement itself. You had uh, the NAACP, you had uh, Black Panthers. And so all of those organizations and um, social constructs were all along the same continuum, um, even though that they were they were different. Thank you both for your responses. Now understanding what the Black Lives Matter movement represents, let's dive into why there has been such a rapid increase of solidarity in support of the BLM movement. According to thehill.com, over the span of just one month, the BLM hashtag was used 3.7 million times per day, 
resulting in a total amount of roughly 47.8 million appearances on Twitter alone. The largest amount of BLM hashtags were used on May 28th, with 8.8 million tweets using the phrase following the murder of George Floyd. The rapid following of BLM can be attributed to the outrage people feel after another Black American's life was taken at the hands of police brutality. The Black Lives Matter movement has created an enormous social media platform and initiated daily protests demanding justice in the past few months alone. WRFL reporter Jalea Northington reports on the growth of the movement and why there has been such a massive rise in support recently, despite its existence for almost a decade. The Black Lives Matter movement was put in place with the intention to show support and advocate for black lives that have been lost. According to CNN, the hashtag has been seen in numerous protest signs and published all over the world to raise awareness and stand in solidarity for black people. Looking at the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, it is noted to have began in 2013 when the verdict of George Zimmerman was announced. Protests and rallies began heavily throughout the Trayvon Martin case and it continued. Fast forwarding to recent cases that have sparked numerous protests, one can recount cases such as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, Rashad Brooks, Daniel Perdue, Sandra Bland, just to name a few. According to Vox, the United States is the biggest social movement this country has ever seen. The social movement that they are referring to is the uproar of protests that has sparked all over the world. They are not just protesting for attention, people are protesting for change within the black community. Protesting has been a way for Americans to practice their First Amendment right for centuries. The purpose of protesting comes as a result of an unagreeable circumstance where people are allowed to oppose as given by the Constitution. For the Black Lives Matter movement, the act of protesting has become a staple part in their mission to dismiss anti-blackness across America. The protests allow supporters to physically participate in speaking up for black lives by marching through cities and hosting public gatherings. Because of the refusal to be silenced, protesting has brought positive outcomes to the victims of police brutality, including George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, both of whose murders were arrested and charged. For cases like 27-year-old Breonna Taylor, who was shot and killed by police while sleeping in her home, protests have demanded the arrest and charge of the officers who were involved, as well as the reopening of her case by Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Of the hundreds of cases, protesters have seemed to be not more outraged by one than the other, but instead have accepted so much disappointment in the past cases that they refuse to let anyone else slide by after committing hate-driven crimes. UK junior Zakia Baker says the reason she believes that there have been sudden outrage on the Breonna Taylor case. A lot of people, um, the reason they were upset about the verdict was because it seemed like it was a clear-cut case um, because Breonna Taylor, she was innocent. And so I saw some accusations or some articles today that stated Daniel Cameron did not let the grand jury know they could have charged officers with murder. So I I think that definitely if there was some evidence or that if Daniel Cameron didn't let the grand jury know everything they could possibly do, then we would definitely see a different verdict or at least a little bit more debate and, um, I guess, discussion between the jurors on the case. Breonna Taylor's case has sparked even more attention as a result of the recent case rulings regarding her murder, as well as the advocacy that has spread among communities such as Louisville, New York, Chicago, California, Oregon, 
and Seattle, just to name a few. Brianna's case has left many supporters prepared to demand more from law enforcement, not settling for the minimum when dealing with black lives. I'm Julia Northington with WRFL News. Okay, um, we'll start with Professor Wilkinson again. Um, what do you think was the point at which people were fed up and began to protest? We've seen many instances of police brutality before, but it seems like in 2020 protesters are refusing to back down. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there were s several factors and, and a part of it goes all the way back, right? It goes back a little bit further. Um, there have been cases of um, police brutality um, against black people forever, right? Since slavery. And when you move things up forward um, and the Black Lives Matter movement itself started in 2013, but I think it received a lot more attention in 2014 uh, with the killing of Mike Brown. Um, that's when I, I saw a larger surge uh, at the previous university that I was working with. I started to see a larger surge of, of young people wanting to get involved. And so I think when you move it up to 2020 and you place um, COVID in the middle of it and people, um, the socioeconomics of, of everyone's situation is has been um, tampered with tensions were already high, but you also have this really close, we saw George Floyd, um, that was the first one. And then we saw Maude Marbury, um, and then it just seemed, Rayshard Brooks, um, Daniel Perdue, and then it just kept um, going. And I think that people um, had more time. Uh, we were all afraid of COVID, but I think that it it kind of became the last straw. You know, if if it's one thing when things are questionable, if there's a, a crime that's questionable, but someone jogging, um, someone being in the hallway in their home. Um, so I think that all of these cases and the circumstances of these cases, um, which weren't very different than some of the cases before, walking home from the store, where you went to the store to get your Skittles, playing with a toy gun in the park. Um, and I think part of it was the accumulation of, of tensions uh, because I've seen in my own personal life and among students that I have people who have never taken to the streets uh, become a part of this movement. Thank you. And Langston, what are your thoughts on how peaceful protests escalate? Do you think that protesters and looters are one and the same? Um, I say that they escalate whenever people are out there for the wrong reasons. I think a lot of times people, um, even black people, they they disregard, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and they see this as opportunity to go get, you know, free things and loot stores and set things on fire. And I think that that's when, you know, protesters and looters kind of, you know, are separated because protesters out there for the right reasons, holding up posters and, you know, out there every day, you know, chaining these different sayings and everything. And, pro and looters are out there, you know, doing, you know, things that are putting people in danger. So I think that there's a big difference between protesting and looting. And I think the thing about people who loot, they just, they, they're blind to like what's actually going on and they just want something for themselves rather than for the movement itself. Yeah, and if I may interject, I think one of the problems with, with that too, are that there are people out there uh, who want to break down the movement. They don't want to see a peaceful protest, um, you know, no matter what the race. So they're there just to agitate and, and cause problems and to 
break a window to get something started. And so there was a lot of that going on as well, where people are trying to sabotage the peaceful nature of the movements. So now that we have more understanding of the major impact that the Black Lives Matter movement has on the nation, um, let's think about the positive changes that have been a result of the peaceful movement. Langston, has the Black Lives Matter movement inspired change thus far? And do you think that there's more change to come? Um, I think there's a lot more change to come because, you know, with the Breonna Taylor case, um, we waited six months for them to basically say nothing about Breonna Taylor. And so I think we have a lot more work to do, but um, here in, um, in Louisville, Charles Booker, you know, he just ran for office. I think people like him who are coming along, you know, that's a positive sign that things are actually gonna change. You know, he didn't get elected, but you know, the fact that he was there and that close, people are starting to see that we need to put people in office that are, you know, have right intentions and are gonna do the right things. So I think there is definitely a positive change coming. And Professor Wilkinson, what has the movement done so far in the efforts to make changes for black lives? And you know, why are body cameras and warrants just now being required? Um, well, warrants have always been uh, required. Uh, body cams have been required um, for a while too in, in certain cities. Um, whether or not those those rules have been adhered to has been the primary issue. So I think that uh, going along with what Langston said, I think that there's a lot more change coming, and I think it's the youth has taken this up. You know, as someone who was an activist, uh, more of an activist in my in my younger days, um, it's been. Um, heartening to see young people be so dedicated um, to this new movement and, and sort of de demanding, out there demanding justice and seeing change um, on a local level, uh, seeing change on a state level from various states, uh, seeing change on a political level. Um, I think a few years ago, you'd never see someone like a Charles Booker get that close to beating someone who is more of a traditional politician. Uh, a few years ago, you'd never see an AOC uh, as a senator uh, and a lot of these other um, political candidates who are younger, who have more fire, who are willing to take risks and not be just sort of the status quo in politics. Um, I think that eventually you'll also see that um, in other places, you'll see um, police departments and city councils um, taken over by young people um, who have a, a different agenda than sort of the old guard has been. So I think we have all of that to look forward to. And um, you all mentioned, you know, over time, hopefully things start to change. Do you think that there's anything, you know, presently that people can do to help push the movement forward more? Or do you think that things are going well as they are? I think Langston was going to well, Langston, were you about to add something to that? I was just going to say the youth are definitely playing a big part in this movement at this time, because like she said, COVID has given people a lot of time to just think over, you know, and see what's important in life. And I think that as far as like me, you know, 2013, I was only 13. I didn't know anything that was going on. I was, I never watched the news. I was worried about video games and sports. And now that I'm like 19 now in 2020, it's kind of changed my view. So I think that like we decided like more time in the youth for kind of, you know, starting to be more active as far as the black love, as far as the movement goes. Mm -hmm. and, and Sarah, you were saying, what can people do? I think, you know, it starts with the individual. 
You know, I see a lot of, of course, a lot of this has to do with social media. Um, I'm on um, TikTok. Um, I'm one of those grandmas on TikTok, but uh, <laughs> but it's nice to see um, young people um, address their parents and address their relatives uh, when they see wrong being done, uh, even on the more intimate level of the individual level in their household, in their friend groups. Like, um, it's one thing to get out and put your mask on and get out and walk um, and march, and that's wonderful, but also addressing these issues in your friend groups, in your high schools, in your colleges, in your classrooms, uh, in your families, I think is really important to, to, um, to be able to get change. Well, thank you both for joining this incredibly important conversation. Um, and thank you to our listeners for joining in as well. We would like to thank our guests, Professor Crystal Wilkinson and Langston Jackson for voicing their thoughts and expressing the importance of such a worldwide movement. Next week, you can look forward to talking about the impacts of COVID on Lexington businesses and how the pandemic has infected the vibrance of the city. I'm Sarah Simon Patches and you're listening to WRFL 88.1 FM.